Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 45, The Big Setup. Hello, Mr. Price. I need a couple of favors from you. Hello, Katie. What can I do for you? First, I need a cage strong enough to hold a wolf that is trying to rip it to pieces to get out. What is the reason for you wanting such an object? To hold a wolf, Katie said, thinking she had already explained herself. What wolf? Are you going to try and hold the sleeping wolf that will awake on the full moon? Is that wise? Katie sighed. Everyone tells me it's a lost cause. The seeker cannot be saved. I would like to try and save him. Why kill him when we may be able to save him? You will get your cage, Katie. Jack Price's voice had a hint of emotion. What was the other favor you needed? We are going to try and force an early attack. Before the full moon, we would like them to attack a specific target and take away any other targets they may choose at random. I'm listening. Can you take my mom, Reginald, and the entire Black family into your home until after the full moon? They will be soft targets, and if we can take them out of the equation, the attack will most likely be wherever you would like it to be. This is a smart plan, Katie. What does my son think about it? Your son is choosing not to be around me, Jack. She couldn't help her voice cracking with emotion. He is not aware of our plan. The pause seemed to last a lifetime. Can I inform my son of your plan? You can tell him anything you want. He is still very much a part of things. Just not with me. Very good, Katie. I will look forward to seeing your mother and the rest of the Black family in my home shortly. The call ended abruptly. Katie hung up the phone, giving the group a thumbs up. Zach turned to the five trader girls. You need to let Lizzie know two things. One, the Seekers and Pierhearts are starting to fight among themselves, and some of the Seekers have started leaving the compound. Second, David and Katie are together romantically, and they sneak off together to be alone off campus. Make sure you give her the information like she's used to getting it, David said quietly. What happens if the attack doesn't happen? Justin asked. It will. Katie gave David a grin before turning to Justin. I'm pretty sure we can get Carolyn Franklin furious at us. Tell Lizzie as soon as possible about Katie and David, Zach said. If she decides to verify and follow them, they can lead her to the waterfall. Why can't one of us be the bait? Justin asked. So far, all the attacks are against David and me. She wants to cut off the head and let everything else lead to disarray. Do you mind if I tell Jackson? Justin asked. He needs to be aware of what you three are concocting. Katie nodded. By all means, tell him. This seemed to pacify Justin, Joel, and Nathan. We have told her. One of the traitor Pierhearts said. Katie nodded, 
glancing at her watch. It's about one hour till sunset. David and I will go to our rendezvous at the waterfall. We will stay there until dark. When we come back, we'll see if she took the bait. Katie got up. Justin, can you get my mom and Reginald to the Price's house? I'd like to follow you to make sure you'll be okay. Justin said quietly. Katie and David shook their heads. We can't have Lizzie getting your scent, David said quickly. If we are attacked, we can just teleport back quick enough. I know you can, but I don't think you will, because you don't want the other side to know what you can do, Justin said, which means you will remain in danger. Katie raised her eyebrows. You are probably right. Justin's frown deepened. Jackson's going to have my hide for not stopping this. I just know it. Jackson Jackson is is not in charge. Katie walked towards the door, with David following close behind. She looked back at the concerned pure hearts, giving them a friendly smile. She walked out. I can see why you like this place, David said casually, glancing around. It is rather peaceful. Katie nodded. I'm afraid after the fight I'm going to have to find another one. She sat down in her favorite spot. Now that we're here, I'm not sure what to do. David said quietly, hunching down beside her. You don't know how to be with me romantically? She asked mischievously. Well, I know what I want to do. David smiled. I just don't know if I like an audience when I do it. She reached out her hand. Come on, David. Cuddle me close. He settled down behind her. His legs reached out beside hers. His arms wrapped around her waist. This feels nice. She leaned her back against his chest, snuggling down. We sounded pretty confident Lizzie was going to show up. Do you think she will? I'm confident someone will show up, David said with a grin. After all, she's been trying to kill us for months. If she just sends out the wolves, she will miss the opportunity. David's arms tightened around her. She has to be frustrated. The wolves are not getting any results, I think. She's going to decide to take matters into her own hands. Katie relaxed against him, closing her eyes in peace. A snapped twig had her opening her eyes. She felt David's arms tighten around her. I believe we have an audience. Surely she's more stealth than that. After all, she is a cheetah. David chuckled softly. She at least learned how to be downwind. Katie reached in her mind, turning off the block she constantly had around Lizzie. Trying to act casually, she looked around. Placing the block back, she looked around again. She's not projecting anything. Of course she's not. White Tiger cannot see projections. Katie grinned. David sighed. I couldn't help overhearing your conversation with Jack Price. Katie stiffened in his arms. He held her tighter. It must have been hard for you to call him. She slowly nodded, not saying anything. David placed his lips against her neck. I wish I could take the pain away. The knot in her chest rose, blocking her throat. She didn't trust herself to speak. You look tired all the time, and the dark circles under your eyes are more pronounced, David said in a conversational tone. Are you telling me I look like crap? 
You'll always be beautiful, David said quietly. But I think you need to force yourself to see Jackson. It will be easier. The anger that seemed to always be present started boiling over. That is exactly what he told me when he convinced me to go over and see you and Candy. David twisted her around, giving her a startled look. Jackson was the one who convinced you to come and see us? Katie nodded. And then I went home and cried. He snuck up into my bedroom and held me, telling me the next time it would be easier to see you and Candy together. We both fell asleep, and that night we were attacked by the malice. David pulled her close towards him. I'm so sorry. She pulled out of his arms. I'm not a yo-yo, David. I can't keep bouncing from boy to boy. I fell in love with you, and you threw it back in my face. I turned to Jackson, and he did the same thing. With the same girl. She jumped up, looking down at him. My best friend. David sighed, taking a step towards her. She backed away. Maybe it's my fault. Candy was willing to leave your home, and I told her no. She needed to stay and protect you from your own stubbornness. When Jackson broke the bonding with me, I couldn't stand the thought of him in that small room, down in that cave, all by himself. So I contacted Candy to be with him. She started crying in earnest. Everyone thinks they can treat me badly because I will forgive them. After all, I forgave Jackson for Sam's death. That's not true, Katie. David tried to reach for her. She backed away. Yes, it is. Everyone I love thinks they can treat me like I'm crap because I will automatically forgive them. Katie, you're the glue that makes all of us work together, David insisted, keeping his voice low. There's a breaking point, David. Why am I the one who is asked to lower my pride and give myself over to make amends? I am the one of so little worth that it's okay to treat me badly. In the end, I will come over, begging to be friends. That's not true, Katie. If you didn't come over, I would have eventually found you. I need to protect myself from you and Jackson. I have to protect my heart. Once the two of you are done with me, I'm not going to have anything left to care about. Turning, she ran towards the compound. Changing into animal form, she ran, trying to outrun the demons in her mind. Katie arrived at the compound, knowing David was following close behind her. Walking through the gates, she projected herself not present, avoiding all people. She walked directly to the office. She stopped and viewed all the cots. Making a decision, she turned back around and left. Teleporting to the Seeker's cave, she changed into animal form, avoiding the Seekers. She walked into the very back of the cave where the pure hearts resided for a day and a half. She lay down and promptly fell asleep. For the first time, since seeing Jared kissing Candy, she slept soundly. Somewhere in her dreams, she felt strong arms wrap themselves around her. She snuggled close to his clean scent, 
knowing instinctively it was him. She wanted so much to be with him. A vital part of her went missing when he had left her. She wrapped her arms around his neck, snuggling closer to him. He held her tight, kissing her forehead. She smiled softly in the night, his name like a prayer on her lips. Completely relaxing, she returned to a deeper sleep. Katie woke up and stretched. She felt rested and relaxed. Opening her eyes, she realized three things at the same time. She was in her own bed at the plantation house. Jared was sleeping soundly next to her, his arms wrapped around her, and she was completely naked. She stepped out of the bed, immediately projecting clothes. She couldn't help watching Jared's beautiful face, his high cheekbones and sculptured mouth set in a relaxed state while he slept. She didn't know how long she watched him before his eyes flickered open. Recognition reflected briefly in his features. In that instant, she teleported herself away from him. In the compound, Katie went looking for David. Finding him in the mess hall, he gave her an assessing glance before giving her a cautious good morning. Getting her food, she sat down across from him. Are we all set this morning? David nodded, still giving her a strange look. What? she asked quietly. David leaned back in his chair. I expected you to walk in here with Jackson. Katie gave him a hard stare. You know what happened to me last night? David raised his eyebrows. I thought Jackson would explain. Katie lost all patience. What happened last night? David leaned forward. Jackson followed us to the waterfall, and he was close enough to hear our entire conversation. He paused waiting for her to reply. When she didn't, he continued. Lizzie was there watching, but she only came close enough to see us before retreating. Katie folded her arms, trying to physically hold herself together, but didn't say anything else. On the way back, Jackson caught up with me. I let him have it. Well, I told him verbally what I thought of the situation. He shrugged. We pretty much had a shouting match on who, out of the two of us, thought how the other had hurt you. We eventually came to the conclusion, maybe we were both jerks. Katie pushed her food away from her, listening intently to David. We tried to find you and decided you must not be in the compound. We both have an inner radar and can find you. David shrugged. I think I have it because I'm the leader. Jackson has it because he used to be bonded with you. Anyway, we were able to locate you in the cave. You were sleeping so soundly, we didn't want to wake you. I teleported you to your room the second you laid on the bed. You changed into human form, and he gave her a look she couldn't read. You whispered his name. I decided maybe I needed to go and let you have the person you needed. Katie blinked the tears away. Is everything set for today? Are you ready to do this? Absolutely, Katie said with an exaggerated gusto. Let's go make Caroline Franklin angry.
David pulled his Jeep into the parking lot of the impressive office building. Katie jumped out and went to the front to join him. They casually leaned against the Jeep. Justin walked over from across the street to join them. She has a man with her, Justin said, without any preamble. I've never seen him before, but we were able to get a picture of him. David reached for the cell phone, giving a low whistle. He handed the phone to Katie. She looked at the picture, then moved the phone closer to make sure she recognized the man. That's our good buddy Steve Jones from Chicago. David grinned. The small circle of friends is complete. Just in time for the full moon. Everyone is in place, Justin informed them. I doubt they will send out the cavalry the minute we leave, David said. He casually draped an arm around Katie's shoulder. She eased away from him, letting his hand drop. He gave her a quick, searching look, but didn't comment. We just need to make sure the two of you are safe throughout this whole ordeal, Justin said, giving them both a nod. Good luck. David grabbed her hand, walking towards the building. Do you think, do we need to go in there incognito? He asked with his thoughts. Katie felt Tyler's presence in her mind. She realized he was probably going to give a play-by-play account to what happens inside. We may be stopped by the first desk if we don't. She projected both of them not present as they entered the office building. She was glad they had done so because the woman at the front desk had a Gestapo-type attitude. She was refusing a young man trying to get in for some kind of interview. They walked past, looking into various offices, projecting a closed door while they opened and checked inside. The last door on the right, David opened and stopped dead. He quickly shut the door, his face turning a deep shade of red. This is the last door. It has to be hers. Katie said with her thoughts and frustration. They are having sex on her desk, David said, his face still bright red. Katie grinned. You know, if I was having sex and some teenagers walked in on me, I would be very pissed. David rolled his eyes. Are you telling me we're going to march right in there before they are finished? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Closing down the projection, she gave herself a deep breath. Showtime, she whispered. Opening the door with a flourish, she walked in. Hello, Carolyn Franklin and Steve Jones. I do believe we have caught you in a compromising position. I just can't wait to tell your other halves all about it. Katie wished she had a picture of the surprised looks on the two individual faces. Can you please get your clothes on? We have things we need to discuss. Both individuals started cussing up a storm while they hurriedly put their clothes on. Katie rolled her eyes dramatically. I was told once that a person who cannot communicate without using obscene language shows their ignorance and lack of education. She looked over at David. Don't you agree? David's face. A deep red could only nod. He tried very hard not to look at the hurriedly dressing couple. I'm going to kill you, Steve Jones said angrily. 
Katie made a tut-tutting sound with her lips. I believe you have already tried. Steve stopped and really looked at her. Wait, I know you. You're Jack's little... Now, now, Katie interrupted. No name-calling. I do believe that shows a complete lack of class. She didn't bother asking David if he agreed. He seemed to be frozen on the spot. She gave Steve a big smile. How did you like our little fireworks show before we left town? Steve's face turned a deep purple. No words this time? Wow, he's catching on. She stepped forward. Now both of you listen up and listen good. We know the two of you are up to your eyeballs in this thing. So let me assure you, we can handle anything you throw at us. So why don't the two of you take your best shot? She stepped back from them with her hands outstretched. We are right here in front of you. She paused before she started again in a sing-song voice. Oh, that's right. You let your little stooges do your dirty work. And they are unable to accomplish anything. Of course, the first rule of leadership is, if your subordinates are inept, it has more to do with the leaders. She laughed at the two of them. How many times have you tried to kill me and David here? She turned to David. Five times for me. David finally was able to say, I think it was about six times for me, Katie said, turning back to the two. I start forgetting when it seems you are completely incompetent of a single act like killing two pure hearts. You keep talking like that and you will never see your sister alive. Carolyn finally found her voice. Oh, please, Katie said with an exaggerated sigh. We already know you killed her and fed her to the malice. She's not dead yet, but she will be. Caroline said, her anger getting the best of her. We attacked you and left over ten of you dead. Ah, we're going tit for tat, are we now? We were able to kill over 70 malice in Chicago, and we only had five pure hearts. She started digging in her bag. Give us your best shot, because I think we can handle anything you throw at us with only half the numbers. Finding what she was looking for, she threw the box of condoms on the desk. Here, I believe you are not using any protection. And that's just sad. We wouldn't want you to catch anything, now would we? She turned to the door. David automatically opened it, walking out with her head held high. That was incredible. David said in awe, his voice just above a whisper. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in my life. Katie gave him a grin. Walking out of the building, they both jumped into the Jeep and drove to the compound. Katie got out of the Jeep and walked towards the buildings. Her stomach was a jumbled mass of nerves. She waited till she arrived in the mess hall before collapsing in a chair. Pure hearts and seekers immediately started transporting inside. Obviously, she was right about Tyler giving a blow-by-blow account because everyone knew 
exactly what was said without her or David giving any details. Everyone was laughing and clapping her on the back so many times it started hurting. She didn't have to look up to feel his presence when he walked into the room. She didn't glance up to see his blue eyes lined with long eyelashes any girl would die to have. She transported herself away, away from the crowd, the people, and especially him. She couldn't face that particular demon just yet. She didn't know if she ever could. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. If you are enjoying this series and would like to help support it, I have created a pod fan and Patreon account where you can donate. The best thing you can do is tell your friends and family about this series and let them participate. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.